But we've given the sharing about how to learn, just to get information, how to remember, how to revise. You should come out knowing how to go through daf after daf, paragraph after paragraph. And like I said, the person trains himself how to do it. It's not something which is so difficult on the country. You can uh, get a good foundation of ideas and Torah, a good foundation of Torah knowledge. Now, what I want to focus on today in the next few vayim is how to learn mobiyun. How to learn mobiyun, which means how to work on analyzing or understanding in more depth. Because there's something which a lot of people come to and they learn to learn biyun in Yeshivas and okay, I made a minute, how do I do that? What am I meant to do? I read the Gemara, I saw the Rashi, and now what am I meant to do next? I'm going to think of brilliant questions. I'm going to find something to argue with my chavros about how does it work. Right? So, at the beginning, most times it means, well, you didn't know share, listen to the share, prepare for the share, go to Chazar in the share, which is good. Which is good. I doubt with it. So there's a man in the share and there's a man in learning from the share. But I want to talk about something else, and that is skills. Skills that a person can work on themselves to develop their ability to learn beyond. And it's not meant to be something which is like a shot in the dark of like look at the Gemara and try and like, be lucky and think of a brilliant question of a deep hacker or whatever it is. Right? It is a very organized, methodical way of thinking which a person goes, so you'll come to everything. And that's what I want to discuss. That's what I want to talk about. What's the way to approach a soda, a sugya, a Gemara, whatever it's going to be? In a, with a clear mahalach of what am I trying to do and where am I trying to get to and in a way which mainly you'll come across all the points you'll come across all the areas that you're supposed to think about and bring up and how to how to train one's mind to work in that kind of a fashion okay so let's start with the first point we're going to break it up into four different let's uh, say subheadings subcategories we'll try to work on each one First one is diukim. Uh, how to medayik? What to medayik? What's what, is a diuk? What's not a diuk? And then again, it's not like we like we look at each word with a magnifying glass and think like show me medayik. So not there's mahalach. That's the first one. The second one is svara. It's an important thing, and that is to apply svara or reasoning or logic to what the Gemara is saying. The third one is cheshbon. Which means to calculate the sugya, to work at each point in the, in, in the sugya. And the fourth one, you can call it variously, you can call it, um, some people like to call it the Havadna, some people like to call it the Lamda, some people like to call it the Chakir, whatever, whatever language you want to get. It means that once I've got all the foundations in place, now I can try and, uh, and kind of put it into, basically what you're saying is, give it a certain framework of how I'm going to explain it. Okay. It has to work in order. Which means first, the first point has to be to medayik. I have to see clearly what's being said. Right? Because it's very easy to work with an idea, a swara, whatever it is, and invent the swara, think of it, and that makes sense, and that's really nice logic. Right? And then that's what Rashi means, that's what the Rashi means, or the Gemara, that's what Rabbi means. Is that what they said? Maybe it's not what they said before. The first thing is I have to at least know clearly what was said, that what I'm going to try and explain or understand 
I'm accurate to what they said. And if it's not what they said, then it's, then it's a mistake to start with. But because uh, maybe it's my swara, maybe that's my way of looking at it, but that's not what the, the Farish or the Rishan or the Gemara that I'm talking about is saying, because I read what he's saying carefully, that's not what he says. Right. So the first the first point has to be to be medaic. To be medaic, what exactly was that? Now, it doesn't make a difference if I'm being medaic, the Gemara itself, and seeing accurately what does the Gemara say, or if I'm medaic, a Rashi, or a Tosus, or a Marsha, or whichever the parish I'm trying to read. And remember, the importance of being medaic is that the only medium that any of the, these people I just mentioned, whether it's Rashi, the Rambam, or the Tosus, or the Kiveg, or the Marsha, the only medium they had to tell us what they wanted to say in the Gemara was what they wrote. And therefore, if they're going to try and explain what they're trying to say to us through what they wrote, they're going to try and write it in a way which accurately, at least the most accurately, is going to convey what they meant. Right? And therefore, to take a mahalach in learning, which a lot of people do, and say, it's not exactly what he says, but it's, that's what he meant. It's, it's not MS. If, if that's what he meant, that's what he would have said. But if a person says what they mean, and especially if a person is thinking carefully, how am I going to say that people will understand me? It's not like I just messed with that thinking. How am I going to say that people will understand me? So if that's the case, then I'm going to try and write it as accurately as possible that people will understand me. And even though I think it's, it's a foregone conclusion by all of us that Rishonim didn't just write on the top of their heads, right? But if you want proof of this, Rashi wrote his Purushan Shas three times. Which means each time he changed a few words. So it wasn't just whatever I thought the Pshat was, that's what I wrote. Until he finished his whole Pshat Shas, he went and reworked it again. And he changed things because it wasn't clear enough, it wasn't exactly what he wanted to say, or what maybe people would misunderstand it, so he wrote it again. And then he went back and wrote it a third time. So can we medag Rashi 100%? Rashi spent a lot of time and effort trying to uh, you know, think about exactly what he wanted to say and make it, that he wrote, would write it in the most accurate way possible, people would understand it. The same thing, you know, I once saw they had, in Egypt, they had something called the Cairo Gniza. The Gniza and Cairo documents from hundreds of years ago, Jewish spies and wherever that had been stored there, because the air is so dry in Egypt, so normally things disintegrate because of the moisture in the air. But since the air was so dry, these things were preserved for seven, eight hundred years. One of the most amazing things I saw from the Cairo Gniza was a manuscript of the Rambam. Not the Rambam, some of his halachas, but a handwritten manuscript. But, what was amazing about it was, Every word was crossed out, rewritten, crossed out again, rewritten. It was obviously the Rambam's own manuscript of his Rambam, of the Yara Chazaka, of the Nazpikah And you see how many times things were crossed out and rewritten. Obviously he was thinking, like this, no, like this, no, like this. There was a lot of effort and a lot of intention which went into what he wrote to make sure I'm writing it in the most accurate way possible. And the Mufakharim who write that, they say, listen, read over, read over, I'm writing carefully because I've put a lot of time and effort into trying to think exactly how to say what I wanted to say. And therefore, the, the, the minimum derech heretz, the other if you're trying to learn him, is pay attention to what he's saying. Pay attention to what he's saying because that's the way he has to tell you what he meant. If you look me now and says, ah, yeah, he means something like that. Okay, I really understand that. It's, it's, not, it's not fair. You're not giving him a chance to say what he wanted to say properly. Right. And that's so therefore, the first look at it is that if you're going to look at the Rishon, the first thing is to try and medaic what he's saying. Now, what I mean by being medaic, I don't mean by looking for questions. I'm saying look, look to see what he says. Look to see what he says. Right. And, and the more carefully a person reads what the Rishon says, so the more persons like, will see what, what he meant. Now, 
And this, this is again, this is before the asking question stage. This is just the trying to understand stage. And today the Khaznish said, the Khaznish said that uh, real Eon is if a person learns the Gemara Shatosis and on their own is Mechavin to every Kasha the Marsha asked. And what the Khaznish said that is because it's something which is shy to do. Because the way the Marsha built is, works is that's exactly what he does. He doesn't look for outside questions or, or things he thought about, whatever it is. He accurately follows Russia in Tosis. And any time he has a, with something in the in what they say, there's a kid who's presented difficulties, he asks a question. Now, not, not always you think of the master's answer here, tradition, but at least think of his questions. And the MS is if you're learning properly, and I've said this back many times, if you're learning a subject properly, you're going to learn. You're working in a, in a, in a, in a certain mahalak, a certain methodology, how to do it, you will come to ask the master's questions. The questions are all questions which are, like I said in Hebrew, are made by Keshem and Atom, they're asked by themselves. If you see, the, if you see it clearly what's going on, then yes, the question is staring you in the face. That is a uh, for the real ear, which means you, you watch, you're listening, you watch, you're following carefully what the Russians say. Now, the first, so, therefore we're going to talk about the first step in the Mahalakh of learning the ear, the first category in breaking up in-depth learning to different stages is how to adapt. Okay, the first obvious rule, I mean, this is our passion, but uh, I'm saying this because some people often overlook it, is you have to understand what's being said. Why am I saying that? Why am I saying that? Because very often people are reading the mission and there are a few words they don't understand. So, okay, we'll just jump in. The next time they understand, we'll go back to it. Right? And we, we got the general gist. There were a few like words here and there which we didn't fit in, we didn't exactly what we meant here and there, we didn't understand what we wanted with that. But on the whole, we got the idea. Right? Okay, that's very nice, you got most of the idea. Now go, and, you know, go, go find out, or go ask somebody, go work on what was the point you didn't understand. Because normally those few words you don't understand are the most important ones. That, that, and the reason why one doesn't understand it is because that's why he's trying to say something new. That's why he's trying to, bring, he's trying to add something to what you already knew before. So, when you're learning something, it's not enough to bear, on the whole, get the idea of what he's saying. The first thing is, if I'm reading it, I want to understand everything he's saying. I want to say everything he's saying. And if there's, if there's that, that's, that, that small little three words that I don't understand, that could be the key to his point. Now, I know not, not everyone here in the audience has done it, but I'm just giving you an example where I saw this myself. Um, there's a toast at the beginning of Shabbos. And this says, it's long because you ask a number of questions. And what the Gemara is discussing right at the beginning of Seychelles Shabbos is the Melech of Itzah. Melech of Itzah means the Melech of carrying from the house to the street to the street to the house, whatever it's going to be. So Tosa says, in the middle of this long verse, that Itzah is a Melech of Gura. Now, the first time I was in the midst of Edge Barak and I learned Shabbos, so I saw this Tosa. I didn't know what the words meant. I said, okay, I'll understand the rest of Tosa. Yeah, the question is answered. This, this, this phrase I didn't understand. But then maybe I didn't realize what I wanted. And then I had this was the whole Tosis. Tosis making it has a Kiddush. This was his Kiddush. And that answered all the questions. And obviously it's a dark language to understand because that was the point he was coming to the Kiddush. I mean, I've seen it often it's like that. The, 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 the phrase that is the one which is hard to understand. The, the Svara which is thrown in which you don't really have what it means. That's the Rishon's Kiddush. That's what he's coming to say. That's what he's coming to add to the Sugya. So the first look at it is if you're trying to learn somebody, obviously, 
understand exactly what he said, at least be able to understand the points, what, what, exactly what was said. If there's something I don't understand, then we can't just like leave that line out or those words out. Go back to what does he mean? What do those words mean? Why is it, where, where's it coming from? In Rashi, you'll see this often. Rashi often, in the middle of Rashi, quotes a few words of a different Gemara. It's what he wants to, to bring here. So he'll quote like a quotation, four or five words from a Gemara somewhere else. So obviously he reverts to the Aramaic of the Gemara. He just quotes it in, as the Gemara says it. And therefore, whenever Rashi does it, you have to be able to explain what he's saying. There's a reason why Rashi is quoting a different Gemara. Right? So the first look at it is done overlooking. Like, you know, I got the general idea in my case. If I'm trying to understand something properly, I want to understand exactly what you said. That's the first one. Now, the next point to look for, before we come to all the fine points, the next big point is, where do you see that the Rishon is spending a long time trying to elaborate on something? Where do you see he's trying to explain it in his words? Understand, there's something he's trying to tell you. Right? If something is obvious, and everyone understands right away what the Pasuk meant, what the Gemara meant, you don't need to repeat it in your own words at great length. If it's straightforward, it's straightforward. And if you, if you see that in Farish, original is trying to you know, explain to his own words what was said, it means that there's something here he's trying to say. Right? Otherwise, why, 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 why do you have to elaborate? Just say the fact, just, just write what it says. Okay, so that's the second point. Look for the, you see where the Mufarish learning, Rashi, Tosis, Ram, whatever it is, is being marchiv. It's coming to add words, it's coming to say a lot. It means there's, there's a point here they felt that we're trying to convey, which isn't just a, a simple chat, with what you're sort of that. This is what I'm trying to add. And as an extension of that rule, and I'm going to start with my, what I'll call, I'm going to give a bit of an introduction to what I wanted to say. One of the hardest Rishonim to Medayak is Rashi. And I'll tell you why. Most Rishonim, they write in much more length. So if they have a question, they write out the question. If they have a proof, they write out the proof. If they have an answer, they write out the answer. So you have a, even before I understand every single point, I have the direction of where the Rishon wants. What his problem was, what he asked, and, why he's, and how he's trying to answer. Rashi didn't do that. Rashi didn't do that. Rashi just wrote what he wrote in order to answer the question we didn't what the question was. Which means in Rashi you have to think much more carefully what what was Rashi trying to do. The reason Rashi wrote like that is because the genius of Rashi was at the same time he could write something which is just simple, helps you read the Gemara, but also it's steering you away from whatever he felt was the, the, the question he was trying to avoid. And where you see this is about three times in class where Rashi deviates from his own norm. He writes like three words in the Gemara and then stop. And he explains to you why did I say what I said. Right? And the reason he does is always because he's coming to argue with the Renegation. But then he actually doesn't like arguing with the Renegation. The Renegation was his Rebbe's Rebbe. His teacher's teacher. Right? So actually, therefore, doesn't like arguing with the Renegation. But two or three times he does. And when he does, he starts. So even actually writes his comments in three words. And then after he says, the reason I'm doing this, and he gives you a long, long Rashi to explain to you exactly why he did what he did. And then suddenly you see how much Omer went into Rashi. Well, I didn't want to say this because we have this problem. If you're going to say like this, then this will come out wrong. And then because of this, and therefore, I wanted to say like this, because this will have answered this. And, that, and the Rashi explains to you his, his, the, the way he's thinking. He explains to you, the, you know, why he did what he did. Like I said, every time it's like, wow. That, that's the omen which went into each Rashi. We see how much we're missing every Rashi we read. 
that all the cheshbonus. So why he said it? Because if I say it like this, then you think like this. If I think like that, then you'll have a problem here. He explains the whole, the whole follow-up of why, why, why explanation of what would go wrong if he didn't say his threats and why you would is gaining something by saying what he said. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't just the rash thought about that case. It just rashly bothered to explain it to you then. Which means there's a lot in every Rashi, which you don't always naturally see. And remember, that's okay. Rashi was the reason that everybody was Madak. More than any other Sefer that had been spoken written on Rashi. I mean, say, any other Mufarish. The Torah goes around Rashi, and the Ramban goes off, is based on Rashi, and the Peneshah is based on Rashi, and the Mashah is based on Rashi. And I'm just going to give you some, some examples. Every Mufarish starts with Rashi, and they all work trying to understand Rashi first. So I understand there's lots of talk about Rashi. That's not the point. The value is lots of attack. Now, on, so now Dafka, we're going to be able to see straight away in Rashi exactly what Rashi was trying to get to and what he was trying to avoid. But I want to give you five rules to think about when you're learning Yeah, Five rules to apply to a Rashi. And like I said, sometimes the, of the, the way to be attacked, the technique is at least raise the points. I might not know what to do with them. I might only find that out later, but at least I'm going to realize what are the points that need to be thought about, they need to be uh, resolved, they need to be explained. So number one, first first point, what's Rashi adding to the Gemara? If Rashi has nothing to say something, he doesn't say it. If Rashi is adding a word or two words or three words to the Gemara, he wanted, he, it meant that there was something he would add that you wouldn't know, and Rashi is coming to add something. And this is first rule, it really shows you a lot, it makes you think a lot about Rashi. And we think of Rashi as the Oscar translation. So you can just say the same thing again in different words. Like for Yemen, he said, okay, if I knew that, you're just translating for me. Rashi is not a translator. If Rashi adds something, it means there was a reason he needed to add it. And without that, there would be something missing. So the first thing to think about in Rashi, if you want to be over the Rashi, is just think, what, what, what point did Rashi add that the Gemara didn't say? What point did Rashi add to the Gemara? Now, sometimes it doesn't have to be Rashi's Kiddush. It's just information you, you need to know because you don't see it in the Gemara. Sometimes what Rashi's adding to, or telling you is you didn't know a certain halakh or you didn't know a certain fact. And if I'm adding the fact, you still don't understand what's going on. So that's what he's trying to be Khadish. He's just trying to give you the information you don't have because otherwise you won't understand what the Gemara is saying. Now, that's the first point. I'll give you another example of this, which people never think about. Very often, this is, think how often you've had this phrase in Rashi. Rashi adds the Gemara, Later on the Gemara is going to explain it, later on the Gemara is going to learn it, or the Gemara is going to ask on it. What's Rashi doing? And that five times, sure. Right, and what's the Gemara doing? Especially in Mishnah, sorry. Rashi does that. The answer is, Rashi knows you have a problem here. And therefore you're going to get stuck. And Rashi is telling you, the Gemara is going to address it. Now, did you, have, did you not have the problem there? Now go back and look at the Gemara. What was the story in Rashi? What was the problem that he was expecting you to have? And there he's telling his, his way of dealing with it is, don't worry, the Gemara is getting there. So that's already makes, it should make you think, well, one second. Let's go back to the Gemara. What, the, what, was, what was the point which would have worried me? And I was looking to Rashi to answer, and Rashi's way of dealing with it is telling you the Gemara is going to ask me. In other words, if it's, if it, you don't need that for now, the Rashi wouldn't say it. If Rashi's telling you, the Gemara will discuss this, it means you're going to be left with the question right now. And you would get stuck here. So Rashi is helping you out. He's saying, let, let the Gemara discuss. The Gemara is getting there. So go, go back, look in the mission again, look at the Gemara again, and see what was the problem. What did I miss? 
Those guys say Rashi doesn't say things for nothing. Also, by the way, there's a difference between them. Yalifla or Mufarish are two different things. Yalifla means the Gemara is going to learn it from the Pasuk. Mufarish means the Gemara is going to give us far to explain it. That's just a translation of what the words mean. But there's differences. And if you want to really be a, an experienced Medayaka, if that's not a word, right? There's a difference between when Rashi says the word Gemara first, the Gemara second. Sometimes says, Yofin and Lava Gemara. Sometimes the Gemara says, Begemara Yalifla. And there's a difference between them. There's a difference between the way Rashi words it as well. So if you want to go to the, the Rashi, it was very accurate how he writes. Mufarish Begemara. Right. Sometimes it's Mufarish Begemara, and there's a difference. Right. Okay, so that's the, that, that's, the, that's the first of our five rules in Rashi. And that is, Rashi doesn't say things for nothing. If he's coming to add something, it means there was something missing which needed to be added. Lavdaf is Rashi's Chiddush. But if you find, it means there's something in the Gemara here which, even if everyone would agree with Rashi, but it's not Mufurish, and you have to add something. That's the first point. Now, our second point in the Gemara Rashi is, is, when Rashi does say something, where did Rashi know it from? Where did Rashi know it from? In other words, is it, if he says the, something which the Gemara itself says in the later on or somewhere else, then it's Pasha. Right? Rashi's not adding anything on his own. He's just telling what the Gemara says. But if Rashi's giving his own explanation, I think a second. Where did Rashi know it from? What is Raya? If you're coming to say something new in the Gemara, so why, where, where did Rashi know to say that? In other words, sometimes... It's because Rashi is relying on a Gemara later on. Normally Rashi will tell you that. But sometimes it's because there's a question. And if you don't say this, you won't have an answer. So to think. What, what, you know, Rashi is telling us something the Gemara didn't say. Is this Rashi's addition? Is this his Chedesh? His Pshat? Or is this what everybody's going to have to say because that's the only way to explain the Gemara? So that's the second point. Where did Rashi... Where did Rashi... Where did Rashi where, like what's the, when Rashi said something, where is it coming from? Rashi is coming to add something. Where is it coming from? Now, the third question. Now, what's the difference? If what Rashi says is coming from a Gemara, it means that everyone's going to agree. Right? It wasn't Rashi's Chedesh. It's like, he's just telling you now to help you now what the Gemara says somewhere else. If Rashi is saying it's not a Gemara, then not necessarily the other Rishonim have to agree with him. Because this is Rashi's explanation and other Rishonim explain differently. That's the second point. And why am I saying that? Because this is another very important point if you've learned this, if you're learning to remember. And that is, people, when they learn the Gemara with Rashi, naturally assume Rashi is the Gemara, the Gemara is Rashi. And then you find the Rishon says something different, he's arguing with the Gemara. No, he's not. Rashi is adding his explanation into the Gemara. And therefore, sometimes, the other Rishon would see the Gemara without Rashi's explanation and see it completely differently. So therefore, we're not, not, we're, not, we're not trying to mix the two up. It's what the Gemara said, it's what Rashi said. And therefore, the best way to keep them separate is each time Rashi says something, think about it. Is this Rashi's addition or is this part of the Gemara? You have to say this in the Gemara. And therefore, is the Makhum to argue on it? Okay, that's the second rule. Again, I'm not saying, saying this is a side. Dav Dav, every single Rashi will be able to go all five steps and not, not right away. It takes time to get used to, to be Medaik Rashi. I'm just going through the process of what, how to, what there is to Medaik. And some Rashi is the easier, some Rashi is the harder. And uh, as a person gets used to thinking when he sees a Rashi, so then you get used to thinking, like, straight away, all these points, what's Rashi saying? Why do you get it? Where do you get it from? Whatever it's going to be. That's the second step. The third step in Medayat Rashi is when Rashi has to prove what he's saying. So, very often Rashi doesn't. In fact, I'll say most times Rashi doesn't. 
Rashi doesn't prove himself. He says what he says. He just adds a few words that he adds to, he wants to add as a commentary or as, a, as an explanation. And that's all. Sometimes Rashi proves what he says. But he adds a bit more and he brings a raya. Now, notice that. Whenever Rashi is bringing a raya for something, it means because he's thinking you might not agree with what he said before. So I have to prove it to you. And why would you not agree? Because there's another way to learn. There's another way to learn. And therefore Rashi is proving to his way, and that's why that's that's Rashi adds a bit extra and he gives you a proof. Right? That you might have, that, which means that opens you up to thinking already, there is another mahalikhi. Right? If this would be the only way to learn, you'd have to prove it. If Rashi has to go, go an extra few words to bring a riot to what he's saying, it means because he knew there was another way to learn, and he's coming to the from that. And I want to tell you another comment, Rashi. This call wasn't said by me, it was said by the Al-Malachi, it was said by the Bible of Rashi, it was said by the Meiri, it came out in the seventh place, it was said by the Meiri, it was the biggest Akhranim, and that is like this. But he said, any time we have a Makhlaikas between Adam, Rashi, and the Adam, Halakim, and Adam, Rishonim, we don't think of it that Rashi didn't know that Mahalakh. Right? And the Akilo, that Rashi didn't think of that answer, and the right for the Rashi, or whoever it is, came with this brilliant idea, which is uh, answers all the Kashas. The way to look at it is Rashi would have thought, thought of that also, and he, there's a reason he didn't want to say it. Right? We, we don't look at sending Tosis. It's not Tosis and Khalish thing that Rashi didn't dream of. Uh, Rashi had that option too, but there was a reason he didn't want to go that route. And that's the case, you have to look, when you see another Mahalik in the come back to Rashi, I think, where does Rashi, where is Rashi Mishiach Does he, where, where does he say something against it, for it, whatever it's going to be? Because Rashi won't ignore it. And that brings us to our fourth rule in Rashi. And that is a hard one. The things Rashi doesn't talk about. The things Rashi doesn't talk about. This needs to be like a professional medayaka for this one. But uh, very often, you'll find times that Rashi doesn't say anything. And Tosu asks a question. And Tosu gives an answer. And uh, Rashi gives another answer. And uh, this Rishi, that Rishi, everyone gets involved in the whole discussion at a certain point in the saga. And now you think, one second. What did Rashi say about that? Look, go back to Rashi and look carefully. You'll see he dealt with it. It's a rule in Rashi. You won't find the big arguments in the Rishonim of Asubia, <coughs> which Rashi doesn't have something to say about. Just Rashi's style isn't like the Rishonim style. He doesn't ask the question and bring the rice and get involved in the Makhlaikas. Teich, what he says, he'll deal with the question. He'll, 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 he'll either answer it, agree with it, disagree with it, whatever it's going to be. So once you see the other Rishonim are all into a certain topic, go back and look at Rashi again. And look for where he does, where, 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 what's Rashi's opinion on that. How do I, what, what, what side did Rashi take? If you look carefully, you'll see it. That's our fault. The things that Rashi left out, the things that Rashi didn't talk about, is gives us a certain uh, insight into, and very often, if Rashi doesn't discuss something, it's because he held it wasn't a question to start with. That's, and you have to go back and think, why, why, why not? Okay, that's the fourth point. So again, what's Rashi adding? Where did Rashi know it from? When does Rashi have to bring the proof? What does Rashi not say? Or it doesn't say Mufurish, you have to go back and look for Rashi. And the fifth one is, and this is if, you, if you're aware of this, you'll see it's very interesting. Where does Rashi choose to say something? Where? Sometimes the Gemara can go over the same concept two or three times, and on the third time Rashi decides to explain it. What happened? This isn't the first time these words came up in the Gemara. This isn't the first time the Gemara discussed this opinion. So why did Rashi only talk about it now? Why not before? So you have to think. There's a reason why Rashi had to say something now which wasn't the Gare before. Right? Okay, so those are five rules in Rashi. Like I said, read Rashi carefully. Read Rashi carefully. He, he tries every word. 
And when the, the first, at least the first one, what's he coming to add? What? And doesn't be a chiddush, it could just be an adding to help you with the Gemara, which would, would otherwise be difficult. You should know something. It takes time. It takes time. The Kachki Balti, that the more a person is clear at this stage, the quicker every other Rishon will go. The more that at the first stage, the Gemara Rashi is, is very clear to a person, they matter every other Rishon person to place. But if, and so it might take longer, step one, right? But Mimele, once you've already opened your mind up to think of all the options and possibilities of why, what could be done in the Sugya, Mimele, other things just slide into where they, like where they fit. If you haven't been with Rashi, then everything's always going backwards. You see, those now one second, well, let's go back to Rashi. Something else, let's go back to Rashi. Right? It, it, it becomes a much slower process. Right? Like everything, every stage in this. It's the more person practices it, the more person gets used to it, and the more person develops it, and the more person works and just, like, opens up his mind to seeing it, the more you'll appreciate the new learning. But the more efficient you the more you'll be overwhelmed by the godless of the system. Right? Because like we don't think of Rashi as being an answer to every question we're showing. We don't think of Rashi as like, having every cheshpan, whatever. I'm just talking Rashi. We'll get to the Rashi. We'll talk about the Ram. We'll talk about the Rashi too. But yeah, the, the ability to diagnose something well shows you a little bit of the godliness of the Rishani, of how much they manage to get into explanation, understanding, and it's just a few words, but that's the first step in Eon. The first step in Eon, we want to improve our own learning, is to be able to understand learning, is to be able to understand depth of learning, and we're going to learn from the Rishani the depth that they learned with a little bit, because that's what's going to help us as a improve our own learning as well.